God bless you today. It's awesome to be in God's house. I love that scripture too, Brother Rory. I was glad when they said it to me, go, let's go to the house of the Lord. Because in the house of the Lord, good things happen. In the house of the Lord, people are redeemed and people are healed and miracles, signs, wonders. Great things can happen in the house of the Lord. Today's not going to be any different. And I'm just believing that God is about to open the windows of heaven here for the next little while. What a, what a message we heard last Sunday by Brother Derek Parker on the beauty of brokenness. I thought that was such a tremendous, tremendous thing. And um, I have feasted upon the word of the Lord this week. But I want to I bring some things to you today that I feel like God wants us to hear. And hopefully you will hear the voice of God. I never preach, never come to this pulpit, that I don't ask God to let me be his voice. I don't want to be my voice today. I want to be God's voice today. I don't want to be just another preacher today. I don't want to preach you just another sermon today. I have books and books and books and books and books of sermons. Somebody said, why don't you just start all over? I said, I've done that three or four times. But today, I just, it's not new things that I want to say to you, but it's things that will help us to remember what God wants us to know. We are living in strategic times, and we cannot be ordinary people because we are not living in ordinary times. We cannot be an ordinary church because we are not living in ordinary times. Can you say amen? We can't pray ordinary prayers. Because we don't live in an ordinary time. We need, we need big prayers. We need miracle prayers. We need people with great faith. This is a strategic hour. So today I want to talk to you about a very old story that many of you may have heard. Some of you may have not. So I'm going to give you a little background today. My wife always gets on to me and she faults any other preacher that says, well, you know the story. Because some people don't know the story. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about a story that's buried in the Old Testament today. And uh, it's, it's very familiar to many of us, but to some it may not be. And I want to, to just glean some things from that story. If you have your Bibles and would like to read just a portion, just a couple of verses, I will read from Genesis, the book of beginnings, chapter 37, and the first verse said, Jacob dwelt in the land, thank you for standing, Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. That chapter tells about a young man being born whose name was Joseph. Whose name was Joseph. Joseph, I'll tell you a little about his story when we're seated today, but this is a very intriguing story. I read it again this week, and it just always ignites a fire in me. Because what a unique, unique man he was. But the 19th verse says, let me read the 18th verse. When they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, this is his brothers, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said to one another, Behold, 
this dreamer cometh. This dreamer cometh. You may be seated. Joseph was, uh, he was the youngest son at that time of Jacob. And he was, he was beloved by Jacob. If you read the 37th chapter and then the chapters after that for a few chapters, you'll find some very awesome things about Joseph. When he was 17 years old, he was sent to his brothers, or he, he, he was the lad, and so he was sent to carry food to his brothers. Joseph was a dreamer, a dreamer. I read that out of verse 19 to you. They said to one another, here comes the dreamer. And the reason they said that is because Joseph had found such favor with his father that his father had him a coat made a coat of many colors. And he, he was favored because he was the youngest child and, and he was blessed by his father. But Jacob, or excuse me, Joseph was a dreamer. He told his brothers of his dreams. And his brothers got angry at the dreams that Joseph told him. Because at one point he told them about the sheaves that he said, we were binding sheaves in the field, and my sheaf rose and stood upright, and your sheaves all stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And they said, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're never going to bow down to you, Joseph. That's not the way this works. You know, you're the youngest. You don't have a say here. But he dreamed again, and he dreamed the sun, moon, and stars were bowing down to him and they took it to their father and his father said you mean to tell me not only the sons but the father and the mother are going to bow down to you and uh and and you know this just made the brothers mad but the bible said in verse 11 his brothers envied him but his father observed the saying he listened because he knew joseph was a good young man. Joseph was sent to his brothers to uh, the flocks in Shechem, and when he got there, they had moved to Dothan, and so he went, and he was taking food to his brothers and taking care of them. And when they saw him coming, they, they got together and decided that they, one, wanted to kill him, and, and, and Reuben, Reuben, one of his brothers said, no, we're not going to kill him. It would, we're not, we can't do that. But here's what we'll do. We'll take him and we'll put him in a pit. We'll put him in a pit. We'll just take him captive. Just stay with me for a few minutes. I'm going to bear down and preach here in a little bit. But I want you to get the story of why Joseph is where he's at. When Reuben heard it, verse 21, he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Reuben said, we can't shed his blood and cast him, but we can cast him into this pit. And so in an instant, Joseph went from that beloved son of Jacob. The hated brothers took him and put him in a pit. Joseph, let me give you some facts. He was chosen by God. He was anointed by God. He had a destiny given by God. Joseph was favored by God. 
and Joseph was favored by his earthly father. God was with Joseph. Do you believe that? And it sounds like a winning combination, doesn't it? That judging from the things that we look at in the scripture, that Joseph had had it made, you would expect to find his book under the lifestyle of the rich and famous by Joseph, but it wasn't there. But when you read the scriptures, you find that this same Joseph, who had everything going for him, whose father loved him, who had the coat of many colors, who was the anointed one, who was favored by his heavenly father and his earthly father. He had so many advantages, but one day, somebody here say one day, one day he found himself in a pit. He went from prosperity to the pit. But let me just tell you this, he didn't stay in the pit. He didn't stay. I, I, when I was thinking about all of this this week, it, it just came to me. It can't, you know, uh, anybody ever heard this saying, this is the pits? Anybody ever said that? Come on, let's be honest. I've said that. This is the pit. You know what we mean by that? This is terrible. This is about as low as we can go. I want to stop here for just a moment this morning and tell you, If somebody told you when you became a Christian that your problems were over, that you would never hurt again, that you would never be heartbroken and never cry, that you would never suffer again, they lied to you. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of all of them. There is a time that we may be doing very well and suddenly find ourselves in the pit. The, pro- the point I'm trying to make is this. Christians have problems too. You heard it last week from Der- Brother Derek Parker, but I, I want to get back to some things where we live today. Christians still get sick. Christians still get in debt. Christians much as we don't like it, still have divorces. Christians still get their hearts broken. Christians still get in places where we don't and shouldn't be. Sometimes we fall into it. Sometimes you jump into it. Sometimes you're pushed into it. I'm going to preach if you'll just hang with me today. But you don't have to stay in the pit. Because you see, regardless of how you got there, a pit is a pit. And if you stay there, you die. So we have to get out of the pit. Dreams die in the pit. Miss ministries die in the pit. Gifts and callings die in the pit. Marriages die in the pit. Reuben was responsible for Joseph going to the pit. And he thought that would be the end of it. But if you read that scripture, he came back to look for him and suddenly... He was gone. Hallelujah. Just as quick as you get in, God can get you out. Just as deep as you get in, God can bring you out. I've come to preach to somebody this morning. You got to know what to do when you get in the pit. The point is, the devil wants you in the pit.
can because he wants to kill everything that you're doing good. He would like to destroy you as a child of God. But honey, when you come out of the pit, you're going to be a victorious Christian and you're going to be in, in, in line with Jesus and everything is going to be all right because God is going to get you out of the pit. He saw him go in. He saw him struggling. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of folks that take, they take pleasure when people are in the pit. Yeah, oh, so-and-so, he's down. I don't look for him to come back. I don't, you know what? I've fooled a lot of people in my time, Brother Eric, because I've been in the pit. But, honey, every time I get there, I just pick myself up and get myself out of that pit. And I want to tell you how I do it. I do it by praising and magnifying God when I'm not on the mountain, when I'm in the pit. I'm still going to praise and magnify God. My circumstances won't dictate my worship because I believe you ought to worship in the pit. Hallelujah. I wish somebody here right now would just say in yourself, I'm not staying in this pit. I'm not here to stay. I'm telling you I got here and I don't know how I may have made my own bed. But even though you made your own bed, I don't know what your pit is today. It may be you're so deep in debt, you're so depressed, you don't know how to get out. It may be because the sickness that you have and the doctors have said that you won't get over it, you're going to die. It may be a pit of bondage. It may be a pit of addiction. It may be a pit of despair. It may be a pit of depression. It may be a pit of marital problems. It may be a pit so deep you feel like it's impossible to get out. But I've come to preach on a Sunday morning. It's time for you to get out of the pit. Reuben may leave you there and come back looking for you. But God's about to pull you out of that. It may be a spiritual pit when you hadn't had a touch of the Holy Ghost in a long time. You know what needs to happen here this morning? The baptism of the Holy Ghost needs to come to this church. There's some of you that hadn't talked in tongues. There's some of you that hadn't had a prayer meeting. There's some of you that hadn't had the heart broken and, your con- and a contrite spirit that the preacher preached about last Sunday morning. God, get us out of the pit today. You ought to get up right where you are and say, I've spent my last night in the pit. I ain't staying another day. I'm getting out of this mess that I got myself in. Devil, you're a liar and you're the father of every lie. I'm here to tell you nothing is going to keep me down. I'm getting up. You know what the Bible said? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Joy is coming in the morning. I'm preaching to somebody that's in the pit today. Hallelujah. There's some people that they thought you knew you pretty good and they knew where to look for you so they went to the pit. Guess what? I ain't there no more. That was yesterday. I can't relive yesterday but my tomorrows are great. I can't do a thing about yesterday but I can do something about today. 
I can do something about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I can do something about May and June and July. I may not have been there in February and March, but I'm telling you this. I'm getting out of this pit. Don't die in the pit. Don't quit dreaming. Don't quit believing. Don't quit trusting. Don't quit expecting. You need to look like Joseph and say, you know what? I'm coming out of here. I'm preaching a little faith to you today. Preach a little faith to you this morning. I came to tell you right now, the last song they sang is a true song. God is going to turn it around. Someone say that with me. Everybody in this room say, God is going to turn it around. Does anybody believe that? Who in this building right now, I, I, I don't know how far I'll get today, but who in this building right now in your heart, you have been up against it. In your mind, in your, in whatever way that I've named here, or maybe something I haven't named here, what is it that you have been up against that you believe God can turn that around today? If it's your business, He's got you. If it's your home, He's got you. If it's your children, He's got you. Let me tell you, God is bigger. Than I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying. He's bigger than your problem. I'm telling you today God has come to turn it around he turned it around for Joseph he turned it around for Job he turned it around for Daniel he turned it around for the Hebrew children he turned it around for Jonah he turned it around for Jesus and he'll turn it around for you from Genesis to Revelation God has been in the business of turning things around all you have to do today is look in the mirror. You know why you're here? God turns you around. You know why you're worshiping today? God turns you around. How many of you remember where you used to be? Come on now. Let's have a little class participation today. Who remembers where God brought you from? He picked me up out of the miry clay. <laughs> he set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my heart today. I'll tell you where he brought some of you from. You were an addict. You were an alcoholic. You were a sinner of deep degree. You didn't know where and what to search for and look for. But he found you. Some of you he got out of a jail cell. Some of you he got in the pits. And, and that pit he brought you out of, you don't want to go back to. So let's remember today that from Genesis to Revelation, God has been turning it around and he hadn't stopped in the 21st century. Amen. See, the old man that I used to be was before I met him. I love the song that says, if you had known me before I knew him, you would understand why I love him. Do you identify today? If you knew me before I found Jesus, you'd understand why I worship the way I do. Oh, hallelujah. I have plenty of time today, and I want to take every minute of it. You see, one minute he was in the pit. One minute he was in the dark. One minute it seemed terminal. One minute it looked like the end. They took his coat off of him. They throwed him in the pit, and... And from one minute there, suddenly, I wish somebody would understand that word, suddenly, everything changed. It don't take God an hour. It don't take God a week. It don't take God 10 years. 
Suddenly. You know how Pentecost came? Suddenly. Suddenly. Go read Acts chapter 2. Suddenly. That's a word that we need to put in our vocabulary. Peter fished all night. Go read the story in the New Testament. And, and, but, but, and he caught nothing but one act of obedience where the Lord said, cast your nets on the other side. Suddenly. So I wish it happened to me that way. I'd love to have a boat sinking. I caught so many. Peter had so many in the boat, his boat was sinking. And it happened suddenly. He had fished all night and caught nothing. And the Lord said, cast your net on the other side. And the Bible said there was a great draw of fishes insomuch that it was about to sink his boat. Suddenly, you see how God quick, quickly turned that around? He can turn your weeping into joy. He can turn your crying into laughter. He can take the things that you're worried about. He went from having empty nets to broken nets. He went to having nothing in the boat to everything he could handle in the boat. Let me tell you how God can do it. Suddenly, if he just speaks a word, he can take care of the situation that you're battling. You've wrestled with it. You've tried to get over it. You've done everything within your power. Why don't you just turn it to God this morning and let him do it suddenly? Somebody shout hallelujah. At the lowest point in Joseph's life, physically and spiritually, God stepped in. Mm. Did you hear what I said? At the lowest point of his life, he'd never been here before. He was a dreamer. All he could see was the things of God. He was blessed. He was anointed. He was taken care of by his earthly father and his heavenly father. But now he's physically and spiritually devastated. And suddenly, God stepped in. Wow. Now here's what I got to preach to you. I built all this to tell you this. You know who got him out? Does anybody here know who got Joseph out of the pit? Does anybody here know? Don't go look it up. I won't tell you who got him out. One of his brothers got him out. But his name was Judah. You know what Judah means? Let God be praised. You know what got him out of the pit? Praise. 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 It wasn't complaining. It wasn't bully grubbing. It wasn't depression. It was praise. Praise God. You go read the Bible. The Bible said Judah, his brother. Judah means praise. Judah means let God be praised. Let me, I've come to preach on this Sunday morning. My Lord, have mercy. I'll tell you what to get you out of the pit quicker than anything I know of. I've been in the pit of depression. I've been when I was so worried I didn't know what to do. I just got on my knees and said, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Because Judah got him out. Praise got him out of the pit. You want to get out of your pit? Quit molly grabbing over it. Quit acting like it's over. Get some faith in your heart and start. You know what the Bible said? You praise him on the mountain. You praise him in the valley. You praise him in the morning. You praise him at midnight. You praise him with everything you have. You praise him with every breath you have because praise will get you out of the pit. Ah. Praise don't have to be pretty to be powerful. <clears throat> I 
I want you to hear me right now. Just start where you are. Somebody says, I don't know how to praise God. Well, won't you just do it however you feel? Anybody can praise God when the sick are already healed. Anybody can give God praise when the marriage is already restored and when the family's already mended. Anybody can praise God when you got good retirement and money in the bank and your wallet's fat. And uh, it's easy. You just say, thank you, Lord. But I'm telling you, it takes something to shout in the face of the devil. It takes something to praise in the face of a doctor's bad report. Listen to me. It takes something to shout when you don't have two nickels to rub together. It takes something when you're going through the fire to lift up your hands and lift up your voice and praise him. But Judah will get you out of the pit. Judah will help solve your issues. <clears throat> here's, here's what the Bible said. I will bless the Lord sometimes, and his praise shall sometimes be in my mouth. Is that what it said? No, you know what it said? I will praise the Lord at all times. Doesn't matter where I'm at, church or no church, problems or no problems, hospital or no hospital, disease or no disease. I will praise the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because praise is what gets you out of your situation. You see, sometimes you just got to have a praise break. The point is, don't wait till the battle's over before you shout. Don't wait till it's over before you praise him. Praise him. Still start when the, when the dark walls are closing in. You start when you're laying in the hospital bed. Start when you're at the bottom of that pit. Start when you're in the middle of your pain. Start when you're in the inner prison at midnight like Paul and Silas had with your feet hand and hands bound and your back bloody. Why don't you just go ahead and praise him? You know what the Bible said? At midnight. They sang praises unto God because you know why? It got them out of their pit. Their pit was an inner prison, but God began to shake the old jailhouse, shake off all the bands that had them bound and give them freedom like they'd never had before. Oh my God, have mercy. If I could get somebody to hear me this morning, if you're in the pit, there's only one way out. That's to put your hands up. Don't have to be pretty. That's to stomp your feet a little bit. That's to give God some glory. Hallelujah. Because I'm coming out of the pit. Woo. How many of you know that some people have a problem with real praisers? Oh yeah. We got so many that are so dignified. I wish God slapped this place so hard today and take all the dignity out of you. Get the dignity out of you. My Lord, have mercy. There's Because real praisers get loud. Don't do that, Pastor. You, I heard somebody tell me about a church the other day. Oh, they believe in receiving the Holy Ghost. They just don't want you to do it in their church. Bull. Pardon me. Bull. 
You don't believe in it if you don't want it in your church. What is this, some secret mission? Or is this church supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost? Huh? See, real praisers get undignified. Real praisers can even get messy. They don't worry about their hair. They don't worry about how good they smell when they came to church. I've left here smelling like a hog before I sweated so bad. But let me tell you, what I get my praise on, what you got to understand is I'm not doing it for you, and I can care less how you look at it, and it don't make me a hill of beans what you think about it because you didn't save me, and you didn't heal me, and you didn't fix me. You didn't do anything like he's done. I'm going to tell you, I come to praise him. And when I want to praise him, praise him can get messy. Woo! Real praisers get offensive to pretty praises. You know, there's some people, and that's all they do. You know, oh, I wish I had my other mic on because, you know, oh, hallelujah. And that's all you got. Come on now, is that all you got? Real praisers get ugly. I'm talking about giving God some ugly praise. So I don't believe in all that. I'll take you to the scripture. Huh? God said he wants your praise. He wants your praise through your tears. He wants your praise through your groans. He wants your praise when your heart's breaking. He wants it through your bloodshot eyes. He wants it when it don't make sense. He wants it loud. He wants it crazy. He wants it when you're going through hell. He wants it when you don't feel anything. He still wants you to praise him because praise is the thing that will get you out of your pit. Somebody shout ugly praise. Sometimes it gets ugly. I know it does. Ugly praise. We, we hurt somebody's feelings when we get undignified. Who cares? This, hey, th- we're not here to praise you. I, I, look, I, I hate keep going back to it. You get undignified in other things you go to. I need an honest confession. Who in this building has ever been to any kind of outside extracurricular activity a concert a ball game or whatever and you got all excited you were screaming till you lost your voice you were shaking your fist in the air you was acting like wow this is awesome but you want to come to God and act like you want to have just a little dignified praise? Let me tell you what we need in this room this morning. We need some undignified praise. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care how you feel about it. The facts are, he brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light. And we owe God some undignified praise. Somebody ought to learn to dance again. Somebody ought to learn to raise your hands. Somebody ought to learn to lift your voice because that will get you out of your pit. There ain't no freedom like the freedom of the Holy Ghost. Woo, come on, Brother Ed. We gotta have some undignified praise here today. Ha, 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 ha. 
Oh, just, just don't, don't, don't move. Stay right there. You're doing good. Job lost everything he had. But after he had lost everything, his heart was breaking in a million pieces. More tragedy than a human should ever have to endure. But in the middle of it all, Job gave ugly praise to God. How do you know that? The Bible said he arose. He rent his mantle. He shaved his head. He fell down on the ground. He became a holy roller. And he worshiped. It wasn't a pretty sight. He worshiped through tears. He worshiped through groans. He worshiped with a broken heart. He worshiped through his pain. He worshiped through his confusion. But he gave God whatever praise he could give him. And even though it was ugly to men, it was beautiful to God. don't have the benefit of choosing your problems and your trials and your afflictions. Life will miss you some stuff that you don't even know where it comes from. You lose loved ones, you go in debt, you have false accusations, you have people that betray you. But I can choose how I praise Him. My weapon of choice today is not a machine gun, it's not an F-18, it's not a tank, it is my praise, my weapon of choice today is for me to lift my hands in the darkest hour of my life and say God I'm coming out you're the God of my salvation you're the God of my hope I'm coming out of this pit you see the devil's purpose is to kill you in the pit the devil hates your praise are you listening the devil hates your praise a lot more to preach. Y'all just stand right there. I'll finish in a minute. But listen to me. Joseph wasn't the only one that came out of the pit. David said in Psalms 40 and 2, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. Set my feet on a rock and established my goings. David said he got me out of that pit. Jeremiah the prophet in the 38th chapter, the 12th verse says uh, that put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armholes, under the cords, and Jeremiah did so. And they offered Jeremiah, God's man, the prophet of God, mighty man of faith and power, old thrown out filthy, rotten, stinking rags, and he put them under his arms, and they lifted him out of the pit. Not a lot of stuff I could preach today. But here's what I'm gonna tell you. You gotta put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what the Bible said. You put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When you feel like there's no use, praise Him. When you feel like there's no hope, praise Him. When you're heavy laden and burdened down with life, praise Him, praise Him. Come on now, I'm gonna teach you how to praise today. I want to, would you just put Psalms 150 on the screen? That's not my notes, but it's something I want to talk about for just a moment. I want to teach everybody in this room how to praise God today, okay? 
because some of you really don't know how. I want to tell you what God said and how to praise Him. Psalms 150, the whole chapter. Just put it up there. We'll start with verse 1. Psalms 150. Hallelujah. I want you to hear what He said because what He said is right. Psalms, the David, the psalmist David, he was a praiser. He was a man that gave God much praise. Here's what he said. Let me go there real quick and I'll read it to you. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. You ready now? Praise Him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise Him with a psaltery and harp. Praise Him with a timbrel and dance. Praise Him with a stringed instrument and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbal. Praise Him on the high sounding cymbal. And then he said that everything, everything, everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So the ark was missing. David said, we're going to get it. I'm paraphrasing and cutting short a bunch of my sermon. David was so excited about getting the ark back in place because the ark was the Spirit of God. That's where the Spirit of God lived. The ark was a symbol of victory for the Israelites. Listen to me. David got out in front of the ark. He wasn't following it, brother. He was in front of it. And the Bible tells us that he led the ark back to Jerusalem. Now, 20 miles, 20 miles on an uphill journey. And the Bible said, watch me now, that David stopped every six paces and worshiped. Y'all ready? Here's what he did. The ark's behind him. They're bringing the, the ark of the covenant. The spirit of God is returning back to its rightful place. And David says, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's not over. Let me show you what he did, okay? I'm going to just show you what he did. He laid aside his priestly garment, his garment of a king, and he said, Woo! Ha ha ha! Here comes the ark! He danced before the Lord! He danced before the Lord! Oh, yes, the ark! And, and they waited a few minutes, and he said, Okay, let's go again. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! You gotta praise yourself out of that pit. Why don't somebody try that this morning? Because the ark is coming back to your life. 
and you're about to have victory like you've never had before. I can't quit until I read you this. I can't quit, and I'll close with this. 2 Samuel 6. You got to know this. David's wife, Michael, or Michelle, however you want to say it, was in the second story watching David when he came by. 2 Samuel 6, verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids and his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. You know what she was trying to do? She was trying to shame him. That's what non-praisers do. That's what non-praisers want. They want to shame you into doing nothing. They want to shame you out of your blessing. They want, to, they want to stop you from praising God. The devil will use, I'm preaching today. The devil will use any trick he can to keep you from getting out of that pew. Because when you do, healing's coming to your body. And a miracle's coming to your home. And something's going to happen on your job. You just got to get up and go after it. Well, aren't you something, okay? Bless you, ma'am. God's got you right now. Bless you. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Aren't you something? Aren't you? You disrobed yourself in front of everybody. You made a mockery out of the king. Oh, David didn't take that sitting down. I'm paraphrasing, but let me tell you what he said. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'll read it to you. 2 Samuel 6, 21, 22. David said it to Michael. It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to anoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord and I will be, I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight and of my faith servants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. In other words, shut up. If you think you're going to stop me from praising God, shut up. You have not seen anything yet because he chose me. He picked me up. He put me out where I'm at. He changed my garment. He gave me hope. My Lord, I'm preaching to somebody on a Sunday morning. God, God wants to get you out of your pit, but you got to come out with your hands up. You got to come give him a little dance. You got to have true, sincere worship because that's how you get out of your pit. Come on, somebody, give him some ugly praise. Give him some ugly praise. It's okay. It's okay.
ECS were going to be set on the throne in Egypt. tell you the rest of the story. This is Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Listen, listen, listen. He got out of the pit. Somebody say he got out of the pit. You think his trouble was over? No, they sold him into slavery. He went from the pit to Potiphar's house. Potiphar saw God had his hand on him, put him in rule over all of his house. And while Potiphar was away, Miss Potiphar decided she wanted to have an affair with him. And he said no. And she called everybody gone and called him close. And when he said no, she grabbed his garment and he left his garment with this Potiphar and she took it and she accused him falsely. He went from a pit to Potiphar's house and it looked like it was all over to a prison because he had been falsely accused. God ain't gonna leave you in the pit. God ain't gonna leave you in Potiphar's house and God's not gonna leave you in the prison. From the prison, he started interpreting more dreams and the butler and the baker told the king and the king calls him up and the next thing you know the story of Joseph is he from the pit to the Potiphar's house to the prison to the palace and he's sitting on the throne second in command to Pharaoh only let me tell you about God when he does it he does it right if you'll just keep praising him you'll wind up in the palace 